0: Did you know
1: for i have found for you have found favor with god and behold you will conceive in in your womb and bear a son and you shall name him jesus he will be great and called the son of the most high and the lord god will give him the throne of david his father and he will rule over the house of jacob forever and his kingdom there will be no end said to her in reply the holy spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you therefore the child to be born will be called holy the son of god she miraculously became pregnant, just as the angel had said. Joseph, her husband, since he was a righteous man, yet unwilling to expose her to shame, decided to divorce her quietly. Such such was his intention when, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, into your home. For it is through the Holy Spirit that this child has been conceived in her. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from all their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son. They shall name him Emmanuel. In those days, Caesar Augustus made a law. It required that a list be made of everyone in the whole Roman world. Everyone went to their town to be listed. So Joseph went also. He went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to to Judea. That is where Bethlehem, the town of David, was. Joseph went there because he belonged to the family line of David. Joseph and Mary were there. The time came for the child to be born. She gave birth to her first baby. It was a boy. She wrapped him in large strips of cloth and placed him in a manger. That's because there were no guest room where they could stay. the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah of the Lord. Here is how you will know I am telling you the truth. You will find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a large group of... uh angels from heaven also appeared. They were praising God and said, May glory be given to God in the highest heaven, and may peace be given to those he's pleased with on earth. Was left and went into heaven. Then the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby, and the baby was lying in a manger. After the shepherds had seen him, they told everyone. They reported what the angel had said about this child. All who heard it were amazed what the shepherd said to them. But Mary kept all these things like a secret treasure in her heart. She thought about them over and over. The shepherds returned, and they gave glory and praise to God. Everything they had seen and heard was just as they had been told. Wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. They asked, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, now we have come to worship him. When King Herod heard about it, he was very upset. Everyone in Jerusalem was troubled too. So Herod called together all the chief priests of the people. He also called the teachers of the law and asked them where the Messiah was going to be born. In Bethlehem of Judea, they replied, This is what the prophet has written. He said, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are certainly not the least important among the towns of Judah. A ruler will come out of you. He will rule my people Israel like a shepherd. Secretly called for the wise men. He found out from them exactly when the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem. He said, Go and search carefully for the child, and when you find him, report it to me. Then I can go worship him too.
2: The wise men had listened to the king, they went on their way. The star they had seen, when it rose, went ahead of them, and finally stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. The wise men went to the house, and there they saw the child with his mother Mary. They bowed down, they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures. They gave him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But God warned them in a dream not to go to Herod, so they returned to their country on a different road.
1: for unto us a child is born to his son is given and the government shall be on his shoulders he will, he, and he will be called wonderful counselor mighty god everlasting father and prince of peace of the world, that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish
2: But not the end we could
3: God, you deserve the glory. Lord, you alone are worthy of honor and worship and reverence and praise. God, it's why we're here. It's why we're gathering. Because of who you are. Because because you loved us so much. You gave your son. Because you loved us so much. And you pierced through the darkness. God became a man and walked the earth and took our place and died at the death that we deserve because of our sin. this is why we're here. This is why we celebrate Christmas. This is why we worship. This is why we make it special and beautiful. It's because you are worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. You're worthy of our best, our best worship, our best praise. You're worthy of our best. Lord, we love you this morning. I thank you for this time we've had to celebrate through song and through dance. And Lord, I thank you for this moment we're about to step into where we're going to open your word. We're going to hear you speak to us. and God, I pray that you would you'd open our hearts. Help us to be receptive to your word. Lord, help us to have hearts that are ready to receive the truth of Jesus. And God, I pray that you would help me to open my mouth, help me to preach your word, and help me to exalt Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated this morning. So we are, first of all, before I get going, why don't we give a a round of applause for what just took place there. It's a lot of work, a lot of Effort, a lot of practice, a lot of time, early morning, had to bring my kids here at seven in the morning on Saturday. I don't do that on Saturday, (laughs) except for the Christmas service. So we are continuing our series. This is the culmination of a series we started three weeks ago called The Shepherds and the Savior, and we are looking at the last message. We're looking at the birth of Christ. We're looking at, at, at the culmination of what Christmas is. All about. And I titled this message this morning, Wondering, Treasuring, and Glorifying. Wondering, Treasuring, and Glorifying. So I've got a question for you before we get into the text that we're going to cover. Have you ever ever had to wait on an answer for something? You ever had to wait on an answer? Has it ever felt like it's going to take forever to get the answer? It's going to take forever for. Somebody to, to respond, maybe maybe you're on the, the phone with AT and T and you're trying to get something fixed on your phone and you're waiting forever. Right? But maybe maybe that's, that can seem that is very trivial compared to other times in our life where we feel like God is silent. You ever felt like God is silent? feels like the heavens are brass and your prayers are hitting the ceiling and they're coming down. And, and you don't feel the nearness of God. Has God ever felt distant to you? He's silent? He's not speaking to you? Have you ever been there? I, yeah, I think we've all been there from time to time. We've all had those moments, those seasons of our life where it feels like God is not listening. He's not there. God, where are you? Well, in the history of the nation of Israel, as we see recorded in the Old Testament, There was a season that took place. It was the silent years. After the last prophet, Malachi, spoke the word of the Lord to the people of God, God stopped speaking through prophets. You know, in the Old Testament, when you read through, God would set apart prophets and priests to represent him to God's people. And and the priests would represent uh, 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 God's people to God. And they would offer the sacrifices. But the prophets would speak for God. And the last prophet, Malachi, he wrote... His letter of prophecy from the Lord to the nation of Israel in around 424 BC, some 424 years before the birth of Christ. So, from 424 BC until the birth of Christ, it was the dark ages, it was the dark time, it was the silent time. It was the time where there was no prophetic word of God that was going forth to the people of God, it was the silent years. It was like, God, where are you? Are you moving? And the people of Israel had gotten used to to, to hearing God speak through men of God, through women of God, through prophets that would speak the word of the Lord. But then God, it seemingly God was not there. But then all of a sudden, there was a break in the darkness. All of a sudden, there was a light that shone through into the darkness. The silence was broken. And what's amazing about how God broke the silence And begin to speak prophetically to his people. Again, it's amazing what happened and how God decided to break the silence. And this is what we talked about two weeks ago. God decided and chose to break the silence and to speak the truth of the Savior to shepherds. How amazing is that? Of all the people that God could have chosen to go to, of all the people that God could have chosen to go to, he could have went to kings kings to princes, to people in authority, to people with power and and means and finances. But who did he go to? He went to people that were not even qualified to testify in court. And he wanted to make them witnesses for him and he brought the good news the angel as you, as we saw in the nativity story that was read earlier the angels spoke to the shepherds and then then the shepherds were in awe and they wondered at what took place and then then they went and they became evangelists they began to testify people who would not even be able to testify in court began to testify about what they had experienced the good news of the gospel came to shepherds first so this is how god broke broke through let's read let's read luke 2 Just to recap where we have been, and so we can set the stage for what we're going to talk about here this morning. Look at Luke 2, starting in verse 8. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste. They made haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known. They became evangelists. They became witnesses. They made known the saying that had been told them concerning his child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, just as it had been told them. So in this conclusion, we're going to look at the last three verses. In this conclusion of this, of this account of the shepherds and how the Lord broke through the silence, over 400 years of silence, and spoke to shepherds of the Messiah King that was going to be born. There's three things we're going to look at here. Three responses from everything that unfolded. Three responses in these last three verses, verses 18, 19, and 20. Three responses to everything that we just read in Luke chapter 2. And really, these three responses really center on three things. Three things that we, that we are, are used to in, in our life. The mind, the heart, and the mouth. The mind, the heart and the mouth. That's how we're going to look at it today. Our minds, our hearts, and our mouth. So what's what's the first response that we see? Well, first, the first response is that the mind wonders. The mind wonders. Look at what it said in Luke 2.18. And all who heard it, heard what? What did they hear? What the shepherds said, right? The shepherds became evangelists. The shepherds saw the angels, and they freaked out, and they said, this is terrifying. And the angels said, don't be afraid. And then they heard the good news, for unto you is born a Savior. And so the shepherds, as you read, they made haste. They didn't wait around. They made haste. Must have been a profound scene. They made haste and went and took off and said, we're going to go see what the angel said. And then it says that they told people about it. They said, would you believe this? You can't, you will never believe what happened. They're, they're, They're telling this message. And would you believe it? That, that the angel said that the Savior, the Messiah, the Savior is being born. The Savior is being born. And so their mind began to wonder. It says all who heard it or heard the shepherd's message, they wondered at what they heard, at what was told them. And this is what you do when you hear good news, right? You know, that word wonder, that word wonder is not the same word as you would say ponder. It's wonder is, the, the, the meaning of this word here is amazement. It's, it's marveling. You're marveling. They marveled. And that would be a marvel, would it not? That shepherds are coming to you, lowly shepherds, and as they're on their path to where Jesus is born, they're talking to people, and, and these people who, know these, who would know who these shepherds were or that they are shepherds, and they're in amazement. No, these guys can't be telling the truth. There's no way. They're wondering. They're marveling. They're amazed at this message. So do you remember the first time you went to Disney World? Who are, who, do I have any Disney people here today? God bless you. I've been once, and I'm going one more time because the school's forcing me to go to Orlando next year and so I'm going to go back because of beta, but we're going to go to Disney World, go for a couple of days, but I am not a Disney person, right? I'm, I, I like Star Wars. We're going to go to the Star Wars part of the park, and I'm excited about that, but Disney is a lot of work. But I do remember the first time I walked on the, 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 the campus or the grounds of, of Disney World, and I, was, I marveled, and I was, it was amazing, but what really I was marveling over was the amount of people that were there, and, and look, when you, before you go to Disney, you want to talk to people who are Disney people so they can prepare you. And people prepared us and said, you go during this time because there's not as many people. They lied. <laughs> I believe that Disney is packed all the time. And I, I, I walked in. We got, we got there at 10 or whenever it was, 30, 10. Bad time. You need to be there to get first in line. I walked, in, I, I walked up to the line and I thought, what did we just do? This is wild. We had a five-year-old, six-year-old. I'll never forget that moment. But there's another moment that stands out even more than that for me personally. I'll never forget the day I walked onto the grounds of Augusta National Golf Club. I, I was blessed by the Lord to have an opportunity. I don't know if Pastor Matt Samahal is here in the room. He was cooking breakfast for us earlier. But he got us tickets and we got on to Augusta National. In 2016, it was the holy grail of golf. And I I walk off, I walk onto the course and everything is so perfect. It's like, is it really real? And Matt Samoha bent down and grabbed a piece of the grass and he looked at it. I'm like, I know, it looks fake. I marveled. I was amazed. Could it be? Could it be? Is this really real? And I think this is really, this is really the picture of what is happening as this message is going out. This is the idea that's being conveyed. These people are marveling over this message that these shepherds are, say, are, are saying. Now, no doubt, no doubt they're marveling at the scene that the, that the shepherds are describing. I mean, who wouldn't marvel over that? An angel speaks from heaven. The skies are split. And then a heavenly host. Thousands and thousands of angels. You would marvel at that if somebody came and told you. You'd be in amazement. But I don't think that was the the, the full picture of why they marveled. I think that they marveled also over the message. What was the message? Look at Luke 2, back in Luke 2, verse 10. And the angel said to the shepherds, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ, Messiah, the Lord. I believe that's what they were marveling over. And this is the question that the people were asking as the shepherds talked to them. They were asking the question, could it be? Could this be the promised Messiah? Could this be the Savior of our people? This is what they would have stood in wonder over. Could it be? Has the prophetic voice of God returned? Is he moving in now? Is he moving again? Could this be the moment? Could this be the time? Is God moving again? Is he speaking again? Is this the promised Messiah that we saw from the prophets spoken about for years and years and years? Could this be? They're marveling. They're wondering. They're in amazement over this message. And this is what the mind does. When good news comes, the mind must wonder, must marvel, must stand, must must think, ponder deeply. The message of the incarnation, the message of Emmanuel, God with us, even today, when that message comes, we must think deeply about that message. Could it be true that I can be forgiven? Could it be true that everything from my past can be redeemed and I can be made brand new? Just like the people listening to the shepherds wondered could it be true that this is the Messiah? We're here today, as after the Messiah has come and has been crucified and has risen again, and the message of the good news comes to us today. We ask and we wonder and we are in amazement. Is it really true that I can be saved? Could it be true that my heart can be filled with a peace that twenty twenty can't take from me? Could that be true? Absolutely. Could it be true? That my life could be filled with joy that, that, that temporary circumstances cannot steal. This reminds me of the adulterous woman drawing water from a well in John chapter 4. Do you remember that story in John 4? This woman was an adulterous woman. She had, had five husbands and, and now she was living with the sixth man. She was an adulteress. And she was a Samaritan woman. She was unclean according to purebred Jews. And Jesus has a conversation with her. He goes and seeks her out. He had to be there to talk to her. And he goes and he starts a conversation with her. And he gets her to the point where they start talking religion. And she perceives that he's a prophet. And he gets her to the point where he tells her, he says, look, I've got some water that I can give you. That will satisfy you and you'll never have to come back to this well. You'll never have to draw water here. And the woman said, sir, give me this water. And Jesus said, I am the living water. I am the living water. And then Jesus ultimately got her to the point where he told her this: He said, Woman, I know your ancestors say to worship here. Your your ancestors say that you should do worship over there on this mountain. But woman, believe me. Believe me. And look at look at the story here. If you pick up after that conversation happens, it says, Just then, his disciples came back and they marveled that he was talking with a woman. But no one said, what do you seek? Or, Or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come see a man that told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? It's the same idea that you see with the people listening to the shepherds. Could this be, they're marveling, they're wondering, can this be the Christ? And they went out of the town and they were coming to him. And just like the shepherds, became evangelist. This woman left her water jar and she went into the town and she immediately started telling the people, just like the shepherds did, come see a man. Could this be the Christ? The mind must wonder, must marvel, must stand in amazement at the power of the good news. It starts in our mind. The mind wonders. The mind ponders. The mind asks the question, is this news true that we can be forgiven? Is the news true that Jesus is the Savior? Is a relationship with Jesus, hear me, is a relationship with Jesus what I've been longing for? The mind wonders. But to experience the reality of the gospel in our lives, our heart must get involved. It must go from our mind to our heart. If it doesn't go from your mind to your heart, then you will not experience the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It cannot just be an intellectual experience and wonderment and amazement. It must go from our minds to our hearts. And this is what we see in the next verse, the heart treasures the mind wonders and the heart treasures look look what mary did look at luke 2 19 but mary treasured up all these things pondering them in her heart the people that were listening to the shepherds they thought deeply they pondered they marveled they were in amazement at the story but mary did what she treasured them in her heart that word treasured it means this it means to keep in a safe condition To keep in a safe place. It's the idea of receiving something of value and keeping it close to your heart. Keeping it close to protect it. Mary took it and she received this news of a savior. She took the news that the angel had given her about her miraculous conception. And then she combined that with the news of the shepherds, of the angel's message. And she took that and she pulled it in. And she brought it into her heart. She treasured it close for safe keeping. Mary treasured up everything that had taken place. She treasured deeply what the Lord was doing in her life. You know, I, to, to illustrate this, I, I just, I thought about when my oldest son, Joel, was born. I'll never forget, he's our firstborn. I'll never forget that day. And all of you, when you had your first child and that child was born, it, it's just, it's a moment unlike any other where you're looking at a child that's born and it's a brand new life and you think this life came from me. <laughs> this life came from me and came from my wife and this boy looks just like me. He's even dressed like me today, right? And then, and, then, and then you begin to think, you begin to ponder, wait a minute, he came from me, but no, he came from God. This child, this precious baby is created in the image of God, his creator. And God His creator says, Ben and Estelle, I'm giving you this child to take care of. What are you going to do? Can you imagine how Mary felt? It wasn't just a child made in the image of God. It was the son of God. God incarnate. And and the angel said, God is going to come and be born. And this is going to be who your child is. I remember... Whenever Joel was born, and we, after we left, when we were leaving the hospital, and they teach you how to put the car seat in the car because you don't know how to do that. After you're with, with your first child, they teach you and you get in there. And I remember putting Joel in the car seat, and I remember taking off in our Honda Civic, and I was just like, I was 10 and 2. There was no like holding the, finger, uh, the steering wheel with the finger. There was no, no texting and driving. No talking on the phone and driving. We were going the speed limit. We stopped at every stop sign. We, 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 we didn't run through yellow lights. We were driving as you're supposed to drive. Why? Why? Because Joel had my heart. I treasured him in my heart. This little baby Joel had instantly won the affections of our heart. And this is what must take place with the good news of the gospel. It must go from our minds that wonder and ponder and we're amazed. Could it be true that I can be forgiven? Could it be true that I can be actually born again? That my life can completely change? Is that really true? It must go from the questioning and the pondering and the amazement. It must go down into our heart where we receive the gospel by faith. It must penetrate our hearts. It reminds me it must become our greatest treasure. And and this idea of it becoming our greatest treasure reminds me of two short parables that Jesus told about the kingdom of God. It's the parable of the hidden treasure and the parable of the pearl of great value, a great price. Look at these two parables, Matthew 13. Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up, then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and he buys that field. Do you see the picture? The kingdom of God is not like somebody who intellectually just understands the claims of the gospel and then goes about their life. That's not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is that is like somebody who does understand the intellectual claims of the gospel and the resurrected Christ but they are forever radically changed in the depths of their heart and they go and they sell all to follow Christ. That is what the gospel must do in your life if it will have any impact in your life. It must go from mental ascent to heart transformation. The kingdom of God is like this idea that with joy I will give all to have. Christ. Is Christ your greatest treasure? Is Christ your greatest treasure? Look at the other parable. Jesus said again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. Who, on finding one pearl of great value, there's only one way. It's not multiple ways to God, there's only one way. There's only one pearl. There's only one pearl of great price, and that's Christ. There's only one way to the Father, one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ, Jesus. One pearl, finding one pearl of great value. What did this merchant do? He sold all that he had to buy. The kingdom of heaven, Jesus says, is like this. It's a giving of all. It's a laying down of all of my life. It's a complete surrender. It's the taking of the heart and our affections and is giving it all to Christ. The mind will ponder the gospel, but the heart must fully embrace it by faith. The mind will stand in amazement and ponder and wonder over the gospel, but our heart must fully embrace it by faith. Have you embraced the gospel by faith today? Have you embraced it in in your heart? Jesus must become our greatest treasure. He must be greater than our most valuable possession. I want to say this, listen very closely. True Christianity, true biblical Christianity knows nothing of just simply adding Jesus to our life. True Christianity is reflected in the heart that makes Jesus the center of everything. Christianity is not just I have, I, have, I have my job, I have my workout routine, I have my golfing outings, I have my social life, I have my family life, and then on Sundays I go to church. Let me add Jesus in the order of whatever my life is. No, true Christianity is that Jesus becomes your all in all. He becomes first place. He becomes the first in line of your allegiances and your heart's devotion. You don't add Jesus to your life. You, you, you find the pearl of great price and you go and you say, if I lose all. If I lose my reputation. People think I'm a religious nut. I'm a holy roller. People on job laugh at me because I bring my Bible to, to, to work and I read it on break. If I lose it all, if I, if, I, if I lose it all and I don't make what I could make because I'm following the rules... I'm not cheating the system like other people do because I've given my all to Christ, right? You see how God, Jesus becomes first place in everything. He's the filter with which we look for through the rest of our life, through every area of our life. We don't just add Jesus to our life. The kingdom of heaven is like selling all to have Christ. And this is the picture. It's a wondering, but then it's a treasuring. It's a treasuring. You know, sometimes at Christmas, There's some gifts you get. You open them up. I've been there. You've been there too. You open them up. And you got your family members there. And they they bought you this gift. And you open it and you look at it and you go, oh, nice. Thank you. Thank you so much. And mentally you're going, oh, my goodness. What were they thinking? It's the wrong color. It's the wrong size. What's going on right there? You are not treasuring that gift. You're not fully embracing that gift. This is a gift that somebody's giving you. They spent their money on it. Their hard-earned money. They spent their money, their time. They went to the mall or Amazon, wherever they go. Who goes to malls anymore? And they bought that gift. And then you take it and you open it and you lie. How do I know you lie? Because you gave me that gift next year. (laughs) What do you do? You re-gift it. Do you re-gift something that you treasure? No, no, seriously. Do you re-gift something that you treasure? Of course not, because you treasure it. But you know the paradox of the Christian faith? Is that we, we, we re-gift Christ because we treasure him. Because we treasure Christ. Because we treasure him above all else, we, we re-gift christ re-gift all the gifts in your life that you don't like give them away but you're doing it because you don't treasure but re-gift the greatest gift that has ever been given to humanity which is jesus christ born in a manger we re-gift it because we treasure him the mind wonders and marvels at the good news of a savior born in bethlehem the heart must then treasure this savior above all else and then lastly this morning, we live the rest of our days to open our mouths and to testify to the goodness of God. The mind wonders, the heart treasures, and lastly, the mouth glorifies and praises. The mouth glorifies and praises. Look at the last verse, Luke 2.20. The shepherds return, and what were they doing? Glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Glorifying and praising. Isn't that good? Are you a good glorifier and praiser of Christ? What does it mean to glorify? I looked up the word, and really it means when you glorify something or someone, you're speaking of the character, the nature, and the attributes of someone. You're talking about it. When you glory in someone, like if I Look at my wife this morning. I could take a long time and glory in my wife. I could tell you her character, her attributes, her nature, just all about her. And you guys would just look at her and go, Wow, Ben, you did a good job. And if I flipped the script and gave her the microphone, you would be like, Estelle, let's pray for you. But that's what you do when you glory in somebody. You glorify somebody. You talk about their attributes, their goodness, their character, their nature. And this is what the shepherds did. They had experienced the good news of the gospel. They had had heard it. They stood in amazement. They shared that good news. and, And now they're glorifying and praising. They're speaking. This is what it means to glorify. They're speaking about it. So what do we do when we glorify God, when we talk about it? We talk about his faithfulness. Has God been faithful to you? I encourage you to talk about it. Who have you told lately about the faithfulness of God? So often, we're in, when we're in the middle of difficult circumstances, we forget to talk about the faithfulness of God. We talk about his love, we talk about his goodness, we talk about his patience. Isn't he so patient with us? He's patient, he's gentle, he's kind. He's, he, he wishes that none should perish, but that all should come to the knowledge of the truth. We talk about his kindness, his grace. That scripture says that we can't earn or we can never deserve. We talk about his power. Our God is powerful. We talk about his might, his authority. We talk about, when we talk, when we glorify God, we talk about how he's never failed us. That's what we talk about. That's what it means to glorify God. Now, Glor, that's glorifying, you're talking about, you're talking about God. And this is, listen, listen, so important. When you spend your life talking about God's faithfulness, his goodness, his love, his mercy, his kindness, his power, his authority, and the fact that he's never failed you, the next thing's going to come so naturally. Glorifying and praising. Praising is worship. It's worship. It's that, it's, it's that you've been glorifying, talking about God's faithfulness, thinking about what he's done in your life. Where has he brought you? Where were you before Christ? You're talking about it. And what's the natural overflow of that glorifying of God? Praising him, worshiping him. Have you ever, have you ever praised someone for an accomplishment? Yeah? Why did you praise them for that, for that accomplishment or meeting that goal? Because, because, because they did a good job, right? They, they, they worked at it and they worked hard at it. And, they, and, they, and, and, and you want to honor them and you want to bless them and you want to give them glory and praise so you praise them for their accomplishment. But I, I find in our world today that there are people that try to steal the praise that only belongs to God. Only God is faithful above all others. Only God is true and kind and good. He's a perfect form of goodness and kindness and love and grace. And you know who I think steals praise from God or at least tries to in our, through our eyes? It's athletes and celebrities. Think about it. How often do we sit around talking about glorying in, man, he, 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 he caught 308 passing yards last night. You guys saw that? What's his name? Kavon, Kavion, Bouti? Am I saying that right? I heard it the other way. Do y'all know the other way? I can't say it in, in church. But what did, I, 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 was, I was glorying in him last night. And I find that, that athletes and celebrities, they try to steal the praise that only belongs to God, only belongs to him. How often do we praise these athletes in the same way that we are only called to praise God, praise Christ? This Christmas season, may nothing or no one steal the worship that alone belongs to Christ. Look at Psalm 96. It says, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Proclaim the good news of his salvation from what? From day to day. Tell of his glory among the nations. His wonderful deeds among all the peoples. For great is the Lord. And greatly to be praised. For he is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, you families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory of his name. Bring an offering and come into his courtyards. Worship the Lord in holy attire. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reign. So this is what the shepherds were doing. They were doing what the psalmist is saying there in Psalm 96. They were glorifying and praising God of of the things that they had seen and they had heard. So here's what I want to challenge you with. What is it that you've seen and you've heard? What is it that you've seen and you've heard? What have you heard today? What have you seen today of God's faithfulness and his goodness? I have seen and heard that our God is in the business of making all things new. That's what I've seen. Can you testify to that? You guys awake still? Yeah? I've seen and heard that our God is in the business of making all things new. I've seen and heard that the power of the gospel can transform a life. Can you testify to that? Yeah? If I gave you the microphone, could you do it? I've seen and heard that our God can heal marriages. Is anybody here can testify to that today? Has he healed your marriage? I can look around and I can see and know that God's healed marriages. I've seen and heard that God can restore relationships. You ever had relationships in, in your life that you thought it's over? Friendships, children, God can restore. That's what I've seen. And that's what I've heard. I've seen and heard that our God delivers the addicted. Is anybody here today? You've been delivered. You were addicted to drugs, alcohol, pornography. Whatever it is, whatever the addiction, I've seen and heard that God delivers the addicted. He gives hope to the hopeless. Have you been hopeless? Can you testify to that today? Will you testify? That's what I've seen. That's what I've heard. I've seen and heard that our God gives peace in the middle of the storm. I've seen and heard that he is faithful to walk with us in our darkest valley. Can you testify to that? Can you testify to it? What have you seen and heard today? What have you seen and heard? If I gave you the microphone, could you testify? I've seen and heard that our God will be faithful to fulfill every promise of his word. I know it because I've seen it. I've heard it. And you know, the truth is, when I look around the sanctuary this morning, I've seen and heard of God's faithfulness and his goodness in your life. I think about the different stories of those that I know, stories that I've heard, testimonies of God's faithfulness. He's good. He's good. He's faithful when you have been at your lowest point. Those that I've been able to hear their testimony and hear their story, I've seen and I've heard in your life. His goodness, marriage is restored on the brink of divorce. It's over. But God brings restoration and healing because this is what our God does. This is why we glorify and praise him. And for that, I glorify and praise our God. What have you seen and heard today? And I want to encourage you, in this Christmas season, in this time, don't just pass this by and let it be some intellectual thing that you process. May Christ have all of your heart, and because he has all of your heart, may you spend this season and the rest of your life and all of your days remembering his faithfulness and testifying to what you see and what you hear, what you experience of his goodness and his kindness in your life so that others may know. The same reality. The mind wonders and it marvels at the good news of the gospel. The heart fully embraces and treasures Christ. And and then our mouths continually glorify and praise him for all that he is and all that he has done. Amen? Amen. J.I. Packer, theologian that has passed away earlier this year, he says this about Christmas. He says, it is here. In the thing that happened at the first Christmas. that the most profound, unfathomable depths of the Christian revelation lie. God became man. Nothing in fiction is so fantastic as this truth of the incarnation. The Christmas message is that there is hope for a ruined humanity. Hope of pardon. The hope of peace with God. Hope of glory. Because at the Father's will, Jesus became poor. And was born in a stable so that 30 years later he might hang on a cross. That's the message of Christmas today. So I've got some questions for you as we end. Would you receive Christ today? Would you receive Christ today? Do you know him? Would you receive him today? Would you embrace him by faith? He died on the cross for your sins. He's not... He didn't stay a baby. He grew up and became a man, lived a sinless life, and died the death that you deserve because of the penalty that you deserve because of your sins. Would you receive him today? Not a baby in a manger, but would you receive him as a resurrected Savior who defeated death, hell, and the grave? Would you receive him today? Would your mind marvel at the revelation of Christ on a cross? Would your heart treasure this good news? And would you spend the rest of your life praising him for it? Would you today? Would you bow your heads with me? I want to pray. I ask those questions because I want to give people an opportunity this morning at a day where we spend time to celebrate the incarnation, the birth of Christ, but we're celebrating a savior. And I want to give time for you to think about that question, those of you that are here today. I want you to think deeply about that question. Would you receive Christ today? If that's you here today and and you don't know where you would spend eternity, if today was your last day on planet Earth, you don't know where you would go, you don't have peace in your heart about your eternal destination, I'm here to tell you today that the good news of Jesus born in Bethlehem is the good news of a Savior that is born. And that you can have assurance today that if you died today, you can have assurance today that you would spend eternity with Him in heaven. Because Scripture says in Romans 10 that if you will believe in your heart and make a confession with your mouth that Jesus is God and that he was raised from the dead, that you can be born again. So I've got to ask you a question. Would you receive Christ today? Is there anybody here today? Would you receive Christ? If you would just lift your hand, is there anybody here today? Just as a sign of surrender, anybody here that, would, that wants to receive Christ as your Savior? Anybody? Anybody here? Yes, thank you anyone else? Would you receive Christ? Yes. So here's, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray a prayer. We're, we're going to agree all together in prayer. And if you're confessing Christ today, I have a couple of books that I want to give you. It's from our church to you. And it's a further explanation of the gospel of Christ. And it's another book about growing in your Christian life. And if if you are receiving Christ, you're confessing Christ, somebody's going to meet you at the welcome desk in the foyer and they're going to give you these two books and they're going to contact you and keep up with you. We've had over 35 people over the last three or four months that have done that same thing. They've confessed Christ, they've gone, they've made contact and they're they're getting water baptized and you can be one of those. So would you bow your head and let's confess Christ today. Lord, we, we come before you and Lord, today, I know there are those here today that raised their hand and those that maybe didn't. But Lord, we make a decision. Lord, if we don't know you, we confess you as our Savior and our Lord. We turn our back on sin and on the world, on the world's ways, and we embrace Christ as our Savior. And Lord, I pray, God, that those that are confessing Christ today, Lord, that that they would take that next step to make a contact with somebody that they can be followed up with and helped in their spiritual journey. And God, I thank you for the rest of us here today. I thank you for for this Christmas season, this time where we're going to spend time with family and friends, and we're going to celebrate your birth. Lord, I pray, God, that, that we would spend this Christmas season glorifying and praising you for all that we have seen and all that we have heard your goodness, and your faithfulness in our life. God, bless your people today. Send, God, I, I send them out, God, today with your blessing. Lord, Lord, be with them. Protect them during this season. And I pray, God, that, that relationships that have been strained during this time, I pray for reconciliation. I pray for reconciliation in families, even during the holidays. God, we thank you for all that you've done. Thank you for this service and this time. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Hey. Real quick, before you scatter, I got a, a New Year's message in, in a couple of weeks, January 3rd. It's called New Mercies. We're gonna look at Lamentations. I got an important message for us, January 3rd. Merry Christmas, and I will see you next week. Oh yeah, no, don't leave. Sit down, sit, sit. Normally, when I'm done, yeah, we got kids. You're here to see the kids, not hear me preach. I preach too long. All the kids for the choir. I apologize. I had preacher brain there. job good job what a beautiful service today we just thank all of you for coming out and worshiping with us today we are going to do our best to hold your precious ones here if any of these are here please come up and claim them quickly you all have a merry christmas you are dismissed